Hello, everybody. I want to thank you for, uh, for being here, for choosing this class. Um, when you think about how topical the other classes are, though, I'd imagine that a lot of you are like, well, where else would I go? Uh, but I'm glad that you're here um, and that you're able to go through this journey of the book of Jonah with me. I enjoy looking at this book. I, I enjoy the character of Jonah <clears throat> and seeing the roller coaster that he goes through um, of, of his attitude and, and how it can change. And I just hope that as we close this book tonight that you guys will get something out of it. Lord, I want to thank you for the people who are here tonight. Thank you for your word. and Thank you for Jonah and everything that happened through his life. I ask that you will help us to, to glean from your word everything that you have for us. And uh, don't let us leave any morsel behind. Help us to, to taste every bit of your word, for it is good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so, um, yeah, we've been studying the book of Jonah. It's, it's three lessons, just taking it chapter at a time. And um, I hope that during this time you've read the book of Jonah. It's an easy read. So, you know, you could have read it a few times, right? But at least once. That way everything is fresh in your mind as we do a um, brief recap. But before we resume, there's some things that I said last week that I want to clarify. Uh, remember when I was pointing at the map and I said, this piece of land, that crescent piece of land that's so fertile, I can't remember what the name is. This crescent piece of land that's so fertile. It's called the Fertile Crescent. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I had told you that Pastor had mentioned a passage to me that um, we can, one of the applications of that passage could be, um, you know, that just like a tree stump that's been felled, it's, it's, it can still grow, sprouts can still come out of it if it just has some water to nourish it. And uh, the same, same thing goes in human hearts and the Word of God. And uh, I told you guys, I think that's in Isaiah. Uh, my mistake, that's Job chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. So if, if that's something that you wanted to look at, there you go. It's, it's fixed for you. So anyhow, last week we saw that the people of Nineveh repented. What an awesome revival that was. It was a citywide 100%, every person, from the greatest to the least, everybody repented, okay? And that, that is just so awesome. And let's go ahead and see the very next verse. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord, I'm looking at chapter 3, my mistake. Sorry, nobody was going to correct me either, huh? Like, brother, hey. <laughs> chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, but it displeased Jonah. Come on. This revival displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, 
Take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Up to this point, we learned that he's a prophet in Israel. Uh, we learned that, that he was used by God to deliver a message of a great revival to, to Israel, not revival spiritually, but of uh, economic revival. The, the, the country was going to reclaim some, some of its borders. During the reign of Jeroboam II, we learned that Jesus himself referred to Jonah. And uh, those details are important because they remind us, they prove to us that Jonah was a real person. He's not a character in a fable. And so we, we understand the historic setting of when he lived. Uh, we understand that Jonah received a message from God and that he refused to deliver it. He hated, he disliked the Ninevites so much that he decided that he's going to flee. He's going to go the opposite direction of where Nineveh is, bringing great peril to himself and the people who are around him. Uh, God put Jonah on a three-day timeout in the whale's belly. So while he's sitting there in the whale's belly, he had time to reflect on um, what he was supposed to do. And that three-day period in the, in the belly of the whale was a foreshadowing of our Lord's three days in the tomb. And just like Jonah came out from the whale's belly, our Lord came out from the tomb. Uh, the whale split him up on dry land, and Jonah went to Nineveh. He preached a very blunt message. Very blunt. He, he didn't put any effort into that sermon at all. In Hebrew, it was only five words. He yelled to them, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. It was all he cared to tell them. Tell them. And in spite of his attitude, the people of Nineveh responded to that message. The king de declared a fast from food, from water. He declared that sackcloth and ashes would be put on everybody, including the animals. This was an outward showing of an inward change in their hearts. God himself in this word, in, in, in the word of God tells us he saw their works, that they turned from their evil. The Lord wouldn't have put that in the story if it weren't true, if it weren't a true reflection of their hearts. Okay. So now we can continue looking at that study. And we just read the first three verses of Jonah chapter four, that Jonah was so upset about it, he would rather die. Now, we, we don't know how long it is that he sat there. Um, we, we don't know how long he, he sat there. You know, he, he, left, he left to go and sit. Um, we'll go ahead and take a look what he says. You know, it, it, it says that, uh, you know, he, he had this talk with the Lord. In verse 4, verse 4 tells us, you know, doest thou well to be angry? And, I mean, what a, what a gentle way of, of handling him. If you guys remember in the book of Job, you know, we, you go through the, the whole book of Job, and at the end when, when God starts speaking to them, I mean, God wasn't gentle with them when he's talking to them about how they misrepresented him, right? I mean, he, he was pretty harsh with them. And, um, you know, you, you take a look at how he's handling Job here, and he's being real gentle with him. So. Jonah's prayer, his request to God, you know, I just want you to kill me. You know, God's real gentle. He responds in, 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 in great kindness. And so we know that we can turn um, on God just like the prophet did 
you know, he's a prophet. He's, he's somebody who was serving the Lord. The Bible records his, his works in, uh, in Kings. So we know that he was somebody who was at one point walking with God. That was his testimony on the boat. When the great storm came upon the boat, that was his testimony. You know, I'm a prophet of, of, of God. You know, he's the one that I serve. And now he, he, he's rebelling against him. And uh, he, he's taken a bad attitude against God. He, he delivered that message. You know, when he was in the belly of the whale, he had a period of what, what seems like a real change of heart, you know, that he really turned around. But it was a temporary change of heart. And if a prophet can do that, if a prophet can have such a hard heart, then there's no reason why we should think that it's not possible for us to harbor resentment in our hearts against God, just like Jonah did. He's the one who created us. He's the one who redeemed our souls. And God forbid that we have any blame towards him, you know, for what's going on in my life and how it's not fair that life is so hard for me. Life is hard for everybody. Okay. And in his prayer, he revealed the underlying cause of his anger. He admits that he fled from God's initial call because he knew that God, God was merciful, that God was kind, that he was gracious, that he was slow to anger, and that he would show all of that to the people of Nineveh. And he didn't believe that the people of Nineveh deserved it. He made himself judge of their souls. They don't deserve it. He was, he was frustrated about God's plan, and he was like, I'm not going to have any part of this plan. He admits that he resisted God's call. That's why I fled to Tarshish. And his actions were a reflection of our actions at times. When we refuse to answer God's call, there are times that he tells us to do something. Most of what he tells us to do is plainly written in the word of God, and we go against it in refusing to do what the word of God says or in choosing to do what the word of God says not to do. There are also times when the word of the Lord comes to our hearts, when the God when the God who created us, the God who redeemed us, wants, to sh- wants us to share the gospel with somebody. And we're like, no, I'm not going to do that. When the Lord wakes us up in the middle of the night and wants to spend time with us, and we go, no, my sleep is important to me. When he reminds us of his word and that we ought to be meditating on that, and we're like, no, I need to relax and we need to put on a TV show instead. We are just like that. So I hope that we... As we see this, that we see us in him. Um, Notice that Jonah, he he completely felt justified in his anger, you know. And if he's defending himself, let's think about it this way. If brother, Brother Ronnie and I are talking about which ice cream is the best, and I say, obviously, black cherry from Thrifty, and he says... Rocky Road. And I go, come on, Rocky Road. People want ice cream to be creamy and delicious. Nobody wants to bite into a rock. You know, and, and we get into it. And, and I, I tell them, you know, it is so good. Therefore, I'm right and you're wrong. That is the conclusion that you have to come to. If I'm right, then somebody's wrong. And he's arguing with God. 
I'm right, Nineveh doesn't deserve to be saved. You're wrong. You are wrong in having mercy on them. But we do that too. He speaks to us all the time. He speaks that to us all the time. And if a prophet of God can be so spiritually blind, then, my friends, so can we. Okay. I, uh, I marvel when, when you take a look at chapter 3, verse 10, and how awesome that is. And then chapter 4 begins with but. I mean, come on. There should be no but after you read about that. You know? But it is. And, and he has so much anger. And, and you take a look at it, and you're like, wait a minute. You're the guy who prayed an entire chapter. Chapter 2 records your whole prayer, and you're going to be obedient. You made promises to God. And now you're mad at him, and you're scolding God, and you just want to die. You're so upset that 120,000 people weren't killed. And it just doesn't make sense. He received mercy from God when he was saved from the sea by the whale. He was saved from the whale's digestive tract when God told the whale to deliver him on dry land. Jonah himself, just on this short journey, has experienced God's mercy twice already in miraculous ways. And he didn't get the lesson. And, and, and us, you know, we have the whole word of God written for us. We have the spirit of God in, within us, and, and we don't get the lesson day by day. And, and, you know, sometimes we get upset when God extends grace and favor to somebody. You know, he's so gracious and, and showing, shows favor to us, and we get upset when he does that for somebody else. Now, there are times when we don't, I mean, who's actually going to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to break one of the Ten Commandments right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to covet What's the, the blessings that somebody else is getting? We're, we're not going to admit that. You know, we go ahead and soften it up and we look. We're like, how did they get that? Why did they get that? If he got that, I know his work performance. Hey, you, you want to do what for him? If you want to do that, then you don't know everything about him. Let me tell you a thing or two about him. Let me tell you what I know. It's ridiculous, the sin that we can fall into, and we are just like him. Okay? One moment, he's thankful to God for saving his life. The next moment, he's asking God to take his life. It's kind of crazy, right? Okay, Jonah chapter 4. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? You know, uh, I, I already said it. God was very gentle with him, and I think that's wonderful. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath. And our Lord gave a really good example here, didn't he? I mean, what an example of a soft answer. Doest thou well to be angry? It's a rhetorical question. Obviously, you're, you're, you're in the wrong to be angry. Um, but he, he was so gentle. He's having mercy on him. And he decides, right now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to punish you for your irreverence. 
I'm not going to punish you for this complete disrespect that you have for me, that you've displayed towards me. I'll go ahead and be gentle with you. God is handling him like a small child, taking him by the hand, putting his arm around him, and showing him, trying to guide him to the right way, trying to guide him to the right heart attitude, you know, trying to encourage him to stop and think. And we're going to see more of that as the chapter unfolds. Obviously, God thinks that Jonah's anger is, is uncalled for, right? And so he's going to gently help him, gently help him to reflect on, on his attitude. You know, you take a look at verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. So here we see Jonah's pity party. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us if, God, if Jonah even answered God's question, you know, doest thou well to be angry? And Jonah left. I ask you a question and you go, hmm. Either way, whether he answered his question or not, obviously, <laughs> obviously Jonah didn't get the lesson that God was trying to show him. And, um, you know, the Holy Spirit does that to us, too. You know, are, are, you, are you okay? Are you doing well do, to be angry right now? You know, for me, oh, man, it always happens in traffic. That's just the worst for me. And so, you know, I just need to be deliberate. I know places where, you know, I have a two-lane road driving down Allen, and then all of a sudden it funnels into a one-lane road right there before it gets to Rosedale, and then it opens back up into two. But I know how people drive, so what do I want to do? I want to avoid that and just go down Juetta to, 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 Rose, you know, to Rosedale, you know, and, and, and bypass all, that altogether, you know? It's, it's, a more, it's a more peaceful drive for me, and I'm not going to be getting angry with people who God loves over something that is frivolous, such as the flavor of ice cream, right? And... You know, he didn't ask for forgiveness. And, and, you know, how often are we guilty of not repenting? How often are we guilty of not going to the person that we wronged and asking them to forgive us? You know, because we are supposed to confess our sins to the person who we sinned. We ought to go to them with our offense and make it right and ask them to forgive us. We ought to do that. How often do we just leave it unfinished, unsettled, and just continue to wallow in our bitterness and unfortunately, let them continue to walk around with the hurt that you caused them. Uh, let's talk about that booth that he built. The Bible says that he left the city and he built a booth. So the Jews had a festival. It was the festival of the Feast of Tabernacles. All right. Um, these tabernacles, you know, we, we know of the large tabernacle where they worshipped, but there were small tabernacles, booths, if you will that they would build. And, and this time, it was a, a period of reflection. They, they did this every year. And, uh, you know, they built this. They, they took sticks and leaves and they interlaced them. And it was this booth that they can go and sit in. And it represents the, um, the period of time that they dwelt in tents while they were wandering after they left Egypt, you know. Um, so God's provision for them after they left Egypt, they refused to go into the promised land like fools. And you know, God took care of them while they wandered in the wilderness. And so this, this is a time of reflection. It's also looking forward to the time that Christ, the Messiah, 
Jesus Christ is going to come. They didn't know it's Jesus, obviously, but that the Messiah would come. They're looking forward to that and deliver the nations. So, you know, so, so it's a time, again, of reflecting on, God, on God's goodness and looking forward to God's redemption, to God's Redeemer. He built that booth, and then he sat in it, didn't reflect on God's goodness, didn't reflect on forgiveness. Instead, he reflected on judgment, destruction. Oh. <laughs> you know, the ceremony is supposed to point our minds to God, and, and instead, you know, he's, he's just dwelling in, in evil thoughts. Um. Verse 6, and the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, it's better for me to die than to live. All right, so we have some object lessons from God here. Uh, if you guys are familiar with object lessons, um, there, there's always a time when pastor will reach in here, and he'll pull out a box, and he'll, you know, say, this box represents our schedule, you know, and, you know, you pack in the important thing first so that way you have room for the things that don't matter, right? And so we, it, we, it's a visual representation. It's something that helps us to understand. It's making a point. And God is using some object lessons right now with Jonah. I, uh, I had heard a preacher say one time that, you know, right here we see, we see two miracles in, in this, in this uh, passage. We see this vine springing up out of nowhere and we see this worm with such a voracious appetite that it alone can eat that whole thing. So anyway, Jonah was exceeding glad for this gourd, you know? Now, here he's somebody who's, who went out there to pout. He's there in his hard heart. He's looking at Nineveh to see what God would do. And then all of a sudden, this plant miraculously rises to give extra shade to him extra cooling that the booth itself couldn't provide. I mean, he probably felt like this is a gift from God. I'm vindicated. I'm in the right. <clears throat> he didn't realize that God was in the process of teaching him something. Okay. Um, in the same way that Jonah was um, delivered from the whale, God used the whale to rescue him. God also used the lowly worm, again, to drive a message to this prophet. All right? So um, destruction didn't come to Nineveh. All right? Destruction didn't come. Instead, destruction came to Jonah's plant. <laughs> and so now he's, he's just all, oh, you know, this, this is awful. What was me? You know, the, the gourd is a temporary comfort. It's a temporary comfort, and, and he loved that thing. You know, he, he was exceeding glad for it. And when that thing withered and died, it is better for me to die than to live. God challenged Jonah's priorities to teach Jonah and us, the readers of this book, 
the importance of valuing human lives over temporary comforts. Okay, so instead of learning the lesson, Jonah decided that he would rather die. So then you take a look at verse 9. And God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? This is the second time that he's asking him, doest thou well? Doest thou, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Well, what an attitude, right? Again, though, God's being patient with him, you know, but, but God's emphasizing Jonah's, emphasizing Jonah's anger, anger. Doest thou well to be angry? You know, doest thou well to be angry? It's rhetorical. So, church family, what's the obvious answer? Do, did he well to be angry? No. No, he was wrong. He was completely in the wrong. And this question applies to Christians today, right? He expected favor from God. He was, he was glad for that gourd. You know, he, he was so glad about it. And, and, and he lamented for it when that thing died, you know. And, and he, he expected that blessing. He thought he deserved that blessing, you know. And there are times when, when we expect a blessing. We expect a blessing and we be, begrudge others for the blessings that they get. And he didn't want God to do what's right, to do what is perfectly in keeping with his nature, to be merciful. He didn't want God to do that. He wanted God to deviate from his nature and just be a 100% God of wrath. In this instant, God, I don't want you to be who you are. I want you to be what my heart is. In this instance, God, let me be the judge of their souls. Instead of bestowing upon Nineveh the kind of grace that God had granted to Israel for generations, Jonah wanted to be like the sons of thunder. <laughs> And call down destruction, okay? You know, God forgive us for, for that, you know, but hey, you know, if the sons of thunder did it, disciples who became apostles, <laughs> if they had the same attitude, uh, and, and yet God can forgive them, then he can forgive us too, right? But we have to re repent, and we have to ad admit our sin and turn to him in order to get that forgiveness, Right? Jonah's anger and frustration are a perfect reflection of our, emo our emotions, our reactions, our dark hearts, right? When things don't go the way we think they, that they should have gone, we, we set up these plans, you know, we set up these plans for ourselves. I'm, I'm going to be retired by the time I'm 45. Well, next month I'm going to be 49. <laughs> I did not retire, all right? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not cashing in some, some wonderful pension, but I'm not angry at God for it. God had a purpose in the direction that he took my life, okay? He had a purpose in it. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to park here a while because to do that would be like, you know, well, look at what God's doing with me. <laughs> and, and, and I don't, I don't want to do that. But you guys, pastor has asked me to fill the pulpit on the Wednesday nights during these special breakout sessions. Me. Why me? You know what I mean? For everybody who knows me and who's had a chance to talk to me, you know my testimony. You know where I come from. You know that I don't deserve to represent God to anybody. I don't deserve it, but God requires that we represent him to everybody. Okay, God requires it. So 
there's this personal growth theme going on in the book of Jonah versus backsliding. You know, his attitude change in the book is just like the roller coaster of us. You know, I've told you guys before, I, I've had a period of backsliding. It was four years, four years long. You know, it's ridiculous that somebody who's born again, somebody who's tasted the goodness of God can decide to just walk away from that. Now, I'm not going to make it sound like, you know, I became a bank robber or anything like that. <laughs> you know, the, the sin wasn't terrible in this period of back. Wait, it wasn't terrible like that in this period of backsliding. However, all sin is terrible. Okay. And, and I just, I walked like that for four years. Okay. However, the Lord had mercy on me and allowed me to, to repent rather than taking me home. You know, um, this is something to be mindful of. God doesn't promise a chance for repentance to everybody. It's something that Paul was mindful of. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. This is Paul. And he says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached unto others, I myself should be a castaway. Okay, so if he was mindful of his walk with God, then we ought to be mindful of ours. Okay, it's possible that we'd be a castaway and, and no longer useful to God. Then he'll just call us home and deal with us. You know, I don't want to face him like that. I don't want to face him in the, under those terms. Verses 10 and 11. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. And, and that's where it ends. That's where it ends. Okay. So you see the scolding begin now. You know, he, he's no longer speaking in rhetorical terms. He's being direct with Jonah. Okay. You had pity on a gourd. You didn't make this thing, right? I made it just like I'm the creator of the people of Nineveh. And in the same way that you rejoiced over that gourd, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I show mercy? You know, um, <laughs> you wanted mercy on the gourd. Shouldn't I have mercy on the people of Nineveh? You know, you wanted that gourd to, to last during this time of you sitting out here in, in, in your wickedness. Isn't it more important that I spare the people of Nineveh? And yeah, yeah, the people are obviously more important. God wants us to change our perspective, okay? Um, we need to set our priorities aside. We need to set our comforts aside. We need to set our biases, our attitudes, set it all aside. And we need to elevate God's priorities. Just like John said, he must increase, I must decrease. I may have, I must decrease. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so in, in that same fashion, that, that's what we need to do. That's the attitude that we need to take. We need to let him be elevated and us be diminished. So this six score thing, not really going to get into that. There are people who are like, this is how many people that is. You know, that includes the children. It doesn't include the children. That's not important. The, the important thing is that humans are more important 
than the things that Jonah is putting importance upon. Okay, that's the important thing. Souls are more important. All right? And God should be merciful to souls rather than on some plant out in the desert. God's explanation here in verse 11 of his willingness to forgive and to show mercy on Nineveh, that foreshadows something from the New Testament. It foreshadows the modern message of salvation that we're supposed to deliver, that salvation, that forgiveness, that mercy is available to all the nations. We saw the verse on the screen tonight twice when Brother Duke showed us his presentation, for God so loved the world, that's the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever believeth in him, of any nation, of any culture, of any background, you know, of, of any skin markings or no skin markings, of any tats, no tats, any piercings or no piercings, anybody can be saved. So what a, what a, a couple of foreshadows that we saw. One of the belly of the whale foreshadows the tomb. And again here, the foreshadowing of forgiveness being available to the whole world. And so um, God wants all of us to learn from this. God wants all of us to be out delivering this message. God doesn't want anybody holding a grudge against anybody. We're supposed to forgive others. You know, the Bible tells us in Luke uh, chapter 11, that how many times are we supposed to forgive? 70 times 7? Now, we, we understand that. We interpret that to mean that unlimited, you know, unlimited. You forgive and you forgive and you forgive. You always forgive. You never hold the sin against anybody, all right? So God help us not to fall into the t- temptation of harboring unforgiveness. Um, you know, right there as it ends, you know, he's, he's telling him, you know, shouldn't I, shouldn't I show mercy? Shouldn't I, shouldn't I spare them? And that's it. It just ends at that. We don't see Jonah's response. We don't see whether or not Jonah changes attitude. We don't see whether or not Jonah anything. You know, as the reader, I wish that there were more details. You know, I, I wish that there were more. I would love for Jonah to have said, you're right, I was wrong. I would love for it to have said that. You know, and then the end, you know, I would love for it to say, and then Jonah returned to his homeland and got right with God and continued his ministry as a prophet. It doesn't say that. (laughs) But why? Those details aren't important. Again, the most important message that we need to take away is that God should spare everybody and that we have a message to deliver so that they can be spared. Okay, so that right there is the biggest takeaway from the entire book and this chapter. God is merciful to us, to strangers, to enemies, to everyone. And he's been merciful to mankind since the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And he's been merciful to us, every single one of us. The fact that we woke up this morning, that we had breath, It doesn't matter that we had aches to accompany that breath, all right? What matters is that we woke up and we had breath. That's a gift of God that we shouldn't take lightly, all right? So, again, we we need to take away that God's merciful. We need to align our priorities with God's priorities, and that as recipients of God's mercy, we now need to tell others of God's mercy. So, I hope that um, 
you guys understand that telling others of God's mercy isn't just on Saturday morning, door knocking. You know, telling God's mercy, showing God's mercy to the world takes place everywhere. You know, the attitude that you show to somebody in traffic, uh, the attitude that you show to the cash register, uh, the cashier, when you get to the cash register, the, 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 the attitude that you show to people. Additionally, the kindness that you show to people, you know, the love that you show to people. That was what Jesus said that we're show, supposed to show, love, you know. So we show that to people and we're showing the love of God. But we need to also deliver the message. Every opportunity we get, every opportunity we get. And we're all going to fall guilty of not showing, sharing the message with somebody at some time. You know, there's going to be a day that you're driving down the road and there's a guy on the side of the road that you could have stopped and talked to. There's going to be a day that you're grocery shopping and you need to get in and get out. And you didn't go and evangelize every single person who was in the store. Okay. Um, hey, we know that God gave Jonah a command to give a message to the people of Nineveh. And God will touch your heart about giving the message. And we heard tonight about God waiting for people to respond uh, in, that, in that missions pre presentation. God is calling on people to respond, whether it's here in our own city or somewhere else across the world. But we need to be willing to take the gospel to everybody. You know, people are like, oh, you know, I don't have the money to go here. I don't have the time to go there. All right. Have you gone to the people across the street and down the block? How about we start there? Right? Okay. So anyway, our gospel witness is the one of the most important takeaways from this book. So I hope that you guys got something out of it. I sure did. Let's pray.